how do you know us, Nate? Why are you here? <laughs> uh, Kelly and Pat are my neighbors. Like so I think I met neighbors. Pat, Pat yeah. first. Well, how long have you guys been here for? Five now? years now. Five years. No way. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. crazy. I know. Five God, years. That's Pat met believe. you guys first. What fandoms are you into and stuff, Nate? I like um, sci-fi and fantasy, but I'm also a big cult um, nerd, I guess. So I like lots B-movies. of... B-movies. I like lots of B-movies. You've introduced us to a lot of movies. very good B-movies. Yeah. Horror. Some good Horror. Weird, weird movies. I mean, like, Lynch stuff is weird, but this is, like, not artistic. It's just weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just, so I came across um, this movie called Making Mr. Right with John Malkovich. I okay. Juan John Malkovich, where he makes, like, a robot clone of himself that's going to do the space program. <laughs> Like always. 80s John Malkovich with fake everything. blonde hair. It's, no, he really? should not be blonde. That's not. A I thing. bought it. Like so, <laughs> it's on its way. It, it may be here. I tomorrow can't wait. You borrow it. Carter, I like Tina Belcher says. Like I have my dorkism on right. certain things. Whereas, like I love some young adult fantasy novels. Yeah, <laughs> I can go on and on about that stuff. I mean, in the many times I've tried to convince Melissa to come with us to C2E2, my big pitch is always that the thing with... In X-Files. I'm a huge X-Files Yes. The thing with being a nerd is, like, there are so many fandoms that you could be in a super, super specific fandom. My thing is, if you're passionate about something, be passionate about it. Kelly was the first person I ever released my weird weird obs- because all of my friends are like much more I love you all <laughs> normies basic yeah in we're terms weird of what their likes are what their dislikes are I have friends that are very into music and all of that stuff but like I have a handful of friends that are just very like basic bitches in the <laughs> right nice it happens it happens yeah. so there's nothing wrong with it I literally yeah. was watching like I was so excited for the X-Files to come back I like texted Kelly I was like so yep. here's my thing that was I a big love fucking big X-Files thing. like I read read fan fiction in high school like I dressed up as Scully one year like no one else got it my other friend was a princess like right that's before we get into the episode, I wanted to discuss a topic, a general Twin Peaks topic. Emmy nominations came out, and I don't know about you guys, but the first thing I did was a control find for Twin Peaks, and there was nothing there. And at first, I was shocked and chagrined, but then I found out through Googling that Twin Peaks was not eligible this year. So Twin Peaks, not eligible. They were not snubbed. <laughs> They will be eligible Kelly's next year. Probably the only one out of the four of us that Googled this. But this <laughs> brings up a before we start warm up discussion topic that I want to throw out there. Um, if Twin, so thinking about next year's Emmys, who, if anyone, from Twin Peaks would you want to be nominated for an Emmy? Kyle McLaughlin. Like, he does such a good job. He does an amazing job. Like, you view him as two different characters. It's a, the whole, like, Orphan Black thing, where it's like, I'm not watching the same actor right. everything. It's like, I have the different concepts of, like, this is how he looks, and this is how he acts, and this is what he looks like. Like, his face is different. His... Right. How about Richard Horn? 
Eamon Farron. <laughs> We're going to be talking a lot about Eamon Farron today, if I have my way. So I called it from our from his uh, first scene. It makes me so angry. Melissa's so mad. But from <laughs> our so from his first scene, I said important character alert was the first thing I said about him. He was important. I knew it. He's special. He's Australian. He gave an awesome interview this week to Vulture.com that you should all read. Interesting, yeah. interesting choice. It's weird. Who else? Anyone else? Well, I feel like the other characters aren't as developed yet. I mean, Janie. Andy. Andy. <laughs> we haven't seen him Andy for Oh, well, not this... We yeah. haven't seen Andy in a while now. Yes, you're yeah, right. Yeah, but he's not doing anything yeah. special. He's just being Andy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I think... I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> obviously David Lynch should get a nod. Obviously. Because he's yeah. more than That's director. Yeah. He was sound designer. He was like... He's done a Creationer. Like, there's... You can't even he give him a title. was like, oh, this is right. a weird 90s thing. And, and brought it through. And but, now it's like a weird, fucked up movie that yes. we're watching week after week. Yes, and it's, it's different. He's changing. He's trying to change how we watch TV. But actually, who I believe should absolutely get an Emmy, and this will be surprising to anyone who's listened to our full podcast, is Joanna DeRay the casting director. Oh. So I've had kind of a love-hate relationship with Joanna Duray. <laughs> casting director Emmys were only added as a category in the last couple years. And I do think it's long overdue because good casting is like 50 to 60% of the battle. But in this series, her casting challenge was monumental, and I think she rose to it. The cast is 214 actors, which is astonishing. 214 principal roles. She had to bring back old cast members. She had to build family units. So now it's like, I need to cast someone who looks like Sherilyn Fenn and is scary and has this going on. Like, so much criteria. I need to cast a blonde girl who's a little bit weird and funny, but also smoking hot. Like, every casting challenge she rose to, and I really think her presence has moved the series in a great direction. She's had some misses, probably driven by David Lynch, Christabel, but, who plays Tammy. Mm -hmm. But I think otherwise she took on a massive undertaking and did it with flair and a plum. And I would like to nominate her for an Emmy that I could. In all fairness, when I wrote on our Twitter about how fucking hate Tammy. <laughs> there was a lot of response about, yep, hate her too. She yeah. is awful. And I was like, yeah. Nate, how right, do you feel about alone. Tammy? Do you yeah. like... I'm definitely not a fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've really tried to like her, but I can't. Yeah, I agree. There's just something unnatural about her... Her acting, acting ability. Yeah. It's like she's trying... It kind of pulls you out of the seen a little bit. Yeah, because it's like you're watching there. someone right. trying to act. I think you kind like, of, you get used to her like, right. as it progresses, but it, it she, is like, a, she's yeah. kind of a, sticks out, right? Yes. Like, she had her best scene this this episode, but definitely little, sticks out. Yeah. No. If you so, watch it too many times, it loses its flair. And like, listeners, if you haven't guessed, this is a super special episode. It's going to be extra long and extra special. Before we dive into the episode, I just want to get Nate. 
what is your feelings on Twin Peaks thus far? Like, where are you at? I mean, I saw the first season when I was in high school, so um, dating myself there a little bit. But it's all right. It's um, a safe it's interesting. space. Now I've, you know, I, I don't know if I watched. I think maybe like a lot of the public, I stopped watching. The second season, and then I right, think, Right, once you know, they revealed the killer. Right. And then I think, you know, I, I have been through the series maybe in the last five years, I think. I watched through it on my own, and then when they were, you know, when the new season was coming out of the new series, I, you know, pulled Ryan into it with me, and we sat and watched, and, uh... It's, Ryan definitely did not get on the bandwagon. Right, <laughs> right. He was not Which is why me. he's not here today. Right. Um... <laughs> I don't know, like, I've enjoyed it, but um, it does require a lot of concentration, and, and oftentimes I'll, you know, get home, and yeah. I'll flip it on at, like, 9 o'clock at night, and, like, 5-10 minutes, and I'm just like, oh, man, no, I can't. <laughs> right. Well, in all fairness, like, I tried to watch it on my own before we came up with this concept, and I was like, Alright, well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll just watch something else in between and go back to yeah. episode right. two. And then right. came up with this where it's like, no, let's watch it all the way through. Like, I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Which is much helpful. It's more helpful because mm. otherwise I think I would tune out and not yeah. pay as much attention. I think based on... You know, what we've heard about David Lynch and Transcendental Meditation, some interviews from Kyle McLaughlin, the interview I read this week of Eamon Farron. <clears throat> I think David Lynch is trying to change the way that we digest TV. I think he sees this direction we're going with this binge-watching, able to be on your phones or not really actively engaged like, it's like a McDonald's fast food. But it's great. I mean, like, TV yeah. is the best it's ever been. I think he wants us to slow down and pay attention. And yeah. he's trying to change the pace and trying to bring awareness. And so that's where I agree with you. There are times when I'm not in the headspace to watch right. Twin Peaks. Like, you have to be in a certain you, you state of mind. You have to pay attention. It's yeah. not something you can watch while right. you're reading the news on your iPad. No. And you got to be really involved. It requires patience and focus. And I've prefaced, like, shows that I've watched being like, well, it's good to have, like, on the back, like, it's a good, sometimes I work from home, and, like, sometimes it's like, I need some noise in the background right. that I'm not really paying attention to, and this is a good one. Right. So it's like, this is not one of those. No, because then we're fast-forwarding or rewinding to get numbers, and... Like I said a couple weeks ago, when you are throwing so many different potential layers and we don't know for sure what's the driving through line, we're trying to pay attention to everything. It's making everything super heavy with significance and you can't afford to miss a moment. You don't right. know what's going to come back and be the most important thing, like the pivotal moment. So, like, I don't know if you noticed in this episode how many red things there were. Oh, like, my God. tells. And we have a red door with Dougies. Yeah. Which, which is always it, a thing. It makes it a thing, but it makes it more a thing, I feel like, this time. Because yeah. everything was really, like, David Lynch is, like, pay attention to this. Like, right. How much more red shit can I throw at you? So we start the very first scene. And I thought this was, uh, uh, like, if I had to kind of rank my episodes, this would definitely be in the top three. I thought this was a great episode. It was good. It, it set up a lot of movement 
for certain characters and certain plots that I think will be incredibly important. Um, the very first scene, Richard goes to Miriam's trailer, which Miriam is the very kind-hearted kindergarten. I don't know if she teacher. said kindergarten, but she's yeah, a teacher. She's a teacher yeah. It's interesting from the way who loves pie. Yes, and she's so R&R, sweet, which mm-hmm. I think they'll circle back. Yes, cuz because we had Shelly and um I thought she kind of looks like Heidi the waitress. Yeah. She, she does. Was, yes, she but she's not related they're, necessarily. They're not related, she's the one though like she lives in that trailer with right. like the really in thin doors. <laughs> Fat, new new fat, fat trout. What's interesting about this scene, am I the only one who felt like Richard and Miriam had a relationship in the past by oh. the way that he approached her? Because he was like, she said, don't come any closer, Richard. Like he had approached I her before. I think they had a relationship. Like, I don't know if it's a romance. I know they know each other. But it's like. I they think they a, went to school together. They, they grew up through were, the years. They probably like, grew up together. Which is yeah. a very intimate relationship. We've yeah. talked about this before with someone who you've, who you've known from childhood and what that, like why, how weird that is. Why do you think his face was so clearly reflected in her screen door? Um, to be a Bob reference. Yeah. Absolutely. To draw our oh. attention to. So, That's a good catch, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they have him reflected in the in her screen, screen door, door yeah. which is so... Any mirrors and reflections are a Bob or Black Lodge thing. And I think now Richard Horn is supposed to be like the embodiment of evil. He's the new Bob. They have him specifically perpetrating violence only to women and children. He has not yet committed violence against a man. No. So we're we're supposed to see him as a total monster. I thought this scene was a great setup to the episode, and really, this episode is, if you had to say, kind of the through line, the story of Richard. And then they go right to another abusive man. Oh yeah, abuse is definitely uh, a, a theme in this episode. To Shelley's daughter's place. Which it's such a mirror of when Shelly's getting beaten by Leo that it's like you're just like Jesus Christ. Which is also a question: Who's who is Becky's father? Right. We were we were texting. The tagline (laughs) of the new season is "Who's your daddy?" (laughs) Twin Peaks. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy, Richard Horn? Who's your daddy, Becky Burnett? Like we don't know who Becky's dad is. It was Donna. In the, fir- in the first go-around. Right, yeah, Donna's parentage know? was the big question. Oh, yeah. Which, now it seems so like, who underlying... fucking cares about Donna's dad? Donna's dad. <laughs> yeah. <now. laughs> yeah. Laura Flynn Boyle, what are you doing with your life? Right. No one knows. Right. She couldn't even play Donna because her I'm face glad that she wasn't <laughs> involved. So weird now. I'm glad. That's true. And I would, if Should they we were going to bring LA? Donna back... I'm team Moira Kelly. Uh-oh. I would prefer Moira yeah. Kelly. Yeah. Good point, good point. Yeah, I would prefer Moira... Wouldn't you say Moira Kelly was better in she... Fire Walk With Me? Yes, yes. Because maybe I just hate Laura Flynn Boyle in a weird way. I'm not yeah. saying Laura Flynn Boyle was bad. I think she did what she was supposed to do. But Moira Kelly brought a whole layer yeah. that wasn't there before that I really, really appreciated. I'm going to get some more wine. Yeah, just bring the bottle. Um... So abuse, definitely a theme. What I love about Twin Peaks always is this sharp juxtaposition between super harsh and very sweet nostalgia. And we have that in the first two scenes because initially we have this scene with 
Richard brutally beating and killing Miriam, and then we pivot to Carl playing the guitar. The next scene is one of those scenes that I think is a transcendental meditation, pay attention transitional scene that is, I've noticed now that David Lynch will put these scenes as kind of like palette cleansers between other scenes yeah. where it's about let's, as you transition, get you in a state of heightened consciousness. So there's a scene with Rodney Mitchum and Candy. Candy is one of the three pink ladies, as I've been calling them, the three girls from the um, casino who are all wearing matching kind of Marilyn Monroe-esque pink outfits. And Candy's the central one who kind of takes on a bigger role in this episode. Um, this scene has some great music playing in the background. It's very quiet. It's very deliberate. It's extremely choreographed. She very is lynchy. attempting to kill a fly and ends up hitting Rodney Meacham and feels very remorseful about it. And she's carrying a red handkerchief. So red theory, mm-hmm. Melissa, Gee. tell us about red theory. There's just a lot of red. I don't know really what it symbolizes, but I feel like it symbolizes something. I don't know what yet. Yes. Oh, we kind of skipped but actually the my... red the red mug that gets thrown by Stephen Burnett right. when him and Becky Burnett have their big conflict abusive scene. Something happening. I don't right. know, but like the big events maybe. And certainly maybe. Twin Peaks is not the first to use red as like a symbol right. of evil. It's been in Sixth Sense. It's been in a lot of different movies. Um, yes, but we did forget the first instance of red is the cup being thrown. Right. When Becky Burnett and Stephen Burnett are having their domestic dispute that so closely mirrors, of course, Leo and Shelley. But yeah. my question to the group is, have you ever tried to kill a fly with a remote? <laughs> and when it lands <laughs> or a handkerchief. Right. I mean, clearly she's not all there, right? Right. Like, I get kind of the whipping it around, like, eh, get out, get away. But, like, <laughs> if it lands on someone you will assume love right. because of her reaction later on, you wouldn't maybe hit them in the fucking face with a remote. But see, now I wonder, <laughs> and I'm always giving Lynch more credit, maybe, than he deserves. David Lynch, if you're there, Hi. My name's Kelly. I'm a big fan. Um, I wonder if there's a bit of an analogy here about when you are blindly into someone and you're protecting them, you kind of don't see the forest for the trees. You almost don't see that what you're doing is actually hurting them, not helping them. And I think that's sort of the metaphor that's happening with her smacking the fly. Like it's, and then there's, this is also another, I've got this theory about PTSD as a big through line here. She certainly seems very PTSD victim in this or abuse victim at least because she she says that hardcore daddy issues. Yeah. It's like, because I think what happens with PTSD, um, you know, you can go for years and be okay and everything can be fine and then something triggers and then that sort of unlocks this whole world. And so for Candy, for some reason, perpetrating this violence against Rodney, however unintentional, 
kind of awoke something in her where for the rest of the episode she's not quite right and they notice it and talk about it so I wonder if this is kind of driving back to this idea of like we are not noticing the people around us who need help and who have legitimate issues that we should be addressing Right, because the le- the next scene that we see with Candy is her just sobbing and sobbing. Right. Everyone's just going about their normal And business. no one knows how to interact with her. They're, which is really true when anyone suffered a trauma, you know, when you go to a funeral or any... We don't know how to offer comfort in that way when there's grief in that way because we're... So it's like... Anyway, right. not to get yeah. so, like, deep, but I do think there's an element of, like... I was just about, like, I was... I just went through a breakup with old podcast co-host Who's Tom. in the Black Lodge. But the my, good Tom's in the Black Lodge. My evil Tom's roaming about. my best friends, we don't deal with emotions. Like, we don't hug it out. We don't talk about our feelings. We just are like, maybe we should just have a glass of wine and bury right. this down. And my one friend came up to hug me, and she's like, sorry and it was like that she's like i'm sorry i just gave you the most awkward hug and i was like i know and then she's like oh btw dad has cancer and we're like what and she's like eh, it's fine let's not talk about it because it's weird and it's emotions and it's right. just like that's just how like some people are where it's just like uh it's you're crying right and My that's where i think is like you want to drink When you see someone have an unnecessarily large emotional response to something small, it's typically because that something small triggered something in them that corresponded to something big. And I'm a big crier. Like, I will cry at anything. Which is just, you're in touch with your emotions and that's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) I have a weird, I'm a roller coaster of emotions. Someone at work tells me I'm not doing a good job, tears. Just tears. I'm right there with you, Chica. Always. Boyfriend breaks up with me. I am so angry. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird, weird thing. It's a search to kill rising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, I think like this, this candy scene is interesting because we'll never get answers on the backstory of candy, but I think David Lynch... I'm starting to see, and it's weird because as being a fan and deeply analyzing his work for a long time, I'm just now seeing that his work is very experientially based. It's about in the moment what's happening. And I don't think, I think there's a lot of like secrets and there's a lot of, we won't know what made Candy react that way. It's more interesting to just see that she had an unnecessarily large reaction and to speculate, as we are, about what might cause that reaction. Right. mystery. Right. And In I, all fairness, like, yeah, I never think I'm going to know why Candy cried. Right. During that scene, because... Yeah. And it's like, it's, why it's do It's not cry necessary to the plot. Let's not talk about it. Like, right. Then, um, but it drives hmm. everything... For, it, it just adds layers that you make it more interesting. Yeah. I think... Yeah, okay. Then, um, oh, go ahead, baby. <laughs> uh... Then it's great later on when she goes and gets the Anthony single. Yeah. Well, she's still sort of in her weird bothers me though too because it's like so when we first see the ladies like a few episodes ago, they were in that same state that they are when they're in the casino at the end scene that we see them in. 
where it's like kind of a daze, like right. There, I'm it's just the kind of stare up. listeners. It's like the observation room where that's all the cameras in the casino, and the pink ladies are against the wall, sort of lounging, and Candy's doing sort of this a thing with her hand that's kind of like on air currents. Right. That we mentioned the first time we saw it, that we were like, there's a weird thing. There's these... And she did stand out because the other girls were just standing there and Candy's the one sort of like mm. in the moment experiencing it. Was she doing it. that? I thought she was like going, like tickling her breasts. No, no. She was like moving her hand. I don't know what she was... And listeners, great in a <laughs> I mean, audio I media don't typically to... do that, but I just thought maybe she was like... Not in public, at least. Right. <laughs> I totally do that, but then again, I've got she was probably doing that. sternum she was doing, stuff. I'm sure, she, yeah. But then know. they all look really... De- so, like, the candy that we just saw where she's sobbing, like, she's in a completely different translucent state. Where well, like, were you... Did you say about they drugged her? Because yeah, I hadn't considered that, her. but I thought that yeah. was a great point. Yeah. That they drugged was, her. Yeah. Like, they have to it be It looked like she was like... They were like, we don't know how to deal with this crazy female's emotions, so let's just give her some pills to numb her out you know and like i thought that was a it's a very it's a weird scene because she was so emotional she was so in herself and then she's just like oh she's numb you want, i mean she seems you want numb. Me to go get someone right what okay. and now i always go back and forth because when you look at david lynch's wives in the series you know they're shrews love to bring up the wives. They are all shrews. Right. right. Yeah. He doesn't like he doesn't like marriage. So it made me for a while I had this theory. I was like, oh no, does David Lynch hate women? And because there's so much abuse against women in this series, and that has really been remarked upon by everyone, there's a lot of abuse against women. Like, is that what he's going for? But I think it's it's ultimately gonna be the victim's triumph in the end. I think this is a setup where we're starting to see the pattern between all these abuse victims that are women. Because we've got Becky Burnett. We're. I don't think he's celebrating it. No, no he's not he's celebrating it. And not right. that I think anyone would do that, but you know, you do have directors who are chauvinists and they just can't like take that away from anything they do. Like everything. Like I have a love hate relationship with Joss Whedon. I love Firefly. But man, I think he hates women a little bit. Like he is just a little rough towards women. I don't want to get on a whole segue, <laughs> but some directors that you'd be surprised. We talked about this today. Nerdy men can be the harshest towards women. You'd expect them to be very loving and well, understanding. They're the trolls. Of like a, just, <laughs> yeah, they're the internet trolls. No, I took a BuzzFeed <laughs> quiz that says, based on my cocktail preference, I really love sweet nerds. And I was right. like, oh, that's kind of true. And then Kelly's just like, yep. the most judgmental. They're so, and I, I was telling Melissa, <laughs> I'm always having to like prove my nerd credibility to men. Women will right away accept like, you say you're a nerd, I believe you're a nerd, sweetheart. Right. Men are like, tell me about the, you know, specific games and anime things that you it's like. Also a- and it's like, geez, dude, if I want to, if like, believe me, there's nothing cool about being the drama club president in high school. Like, her, I promise you I'm legitimately a nerd. Let her in the club. Like, <laughs> I brought, I brought going, Pat, huh. Brian K. Vaughn, listeners. Pat mm-hmm. didn't know who Brian K. Vaughn was until me. 
don't know. That's just the Lord of the Rings right now. Yeah, he's the biggest (laughs) graphic novel author right now. Neil Gaiman? Pat didn't know about Neil Gaiman, tell me. So, listeners, shut your mouths. I'm a legit nerd. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, nerd bands can can be the worst. I have a good basic layer. You've got your fandom, and that's what's important. You're a YA nerd. Two letters. Yeah. Y-A. Which, Y-A. I don't know. Why? 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 Um, so we have the Meachums pretty well covered. We get into, let's talk Dougie. Let's talk Dougie oh, plot. Yeah. Dougie sex? Usually I don't want to talk Dougie, <laughs> but today I want to talk well, Dougie. let's also applaud Janie E. Janie for E. fucking taking Dougie to the doctor eventually, though... Nothing really happened. I know. I the just doctor like, literally do- the doctor the called doc- her. The doctor perfect. wants to have sex with Dougie. Right. He's in perfect like, shape. It's like you lost some weight. Right. We were all thinking really good. That like you're on. looking right. really good. That's right. <laughs> you're like, damn, Dougie looks good with I his mean, shirt off. Maybe. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I don't right. think his wife was either. Obviously. No. Right. Obviously, so. because she's like, wait a minute, Dougie <laughs> has lost weight. He's just not glowing in a green suit. Well, right and now. that's what confused me. <laughs> maybe I'm a deviant, listeners, but I have always wondered how Janie E has not tried to jump Dougie's bones previously. Like, maybe because he just pairs back everything she says, and it gets kind of creepy. That's true. You might like, be like, right. stroke victim. I mean, here's exactly. A, here's a mannequin, but like, yeah, with a voice or like box. a coma victim. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, she was mad at him at first. He missed Sunny John's. Sunny Jim's. Sunny Jim's. God, everyone so. hates Sunny Jim too. I feel like Tammy and Sunny Jim, Sunny Jim are the most hated. I actually don't mind Sunny. Jim. No, I don't mind him at all. But like, I think he's weirdly Hispanic for the character makes, of yeah, these two. No, well, because white that's because Doug, waspy looking people. <laughs> Dougie is a manufactured thing from a grape or piece of. Glasses. You know, a golden know, pea. Saying? Come on, Pat. You've <laughs> been a part of this podcast for a while now. If you're not going to pull your weight. <laughs> a golden pea. A golden pea, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I, I do like the Janie E. and Ducky reconnection scene. Where she's... It's also funny that she's like having... It seems like intensive orgasms. While Kyle McLaughlin's just chilling. It was very He's like eating uh, fucking cake. Right. It was like regarding it. Henry. <laughs> <laughs> he was clearly happy though. Uh, yes, he was clearly. Over, I mean, and then afterwards, hey, I was saying hey, he looked the most boy. lucid there that I think we've seen yeah. him in a while. Like he was kind of. I feel like that scene where where she says "I love you, I love you," and he's like "I love you." That was kind of the yeah. most with it that he. he is. The last two lines he had when he said "answers" in the previous episode, he also sounded more lucid. Right. Like, he didn't say, like... I do think... Like, he said Right. Like, he... Yeah, he was like, answers. Right. Well, we have noticed that... Yes. There's a different... Case five. ...tonation when it's Dougie and when it's Agent Cooper kind of breaking through. <laughs> I do I do think there's going to kind of come to head this thing of um, Cooper realizing who he is and becoming Special Agent Dale Cooper and then also remembering Dougie's past and feeling a connection to Naomi Watts. I think that's going to kind of be a conflict for him. Right. 
I mean, it would be stupid to not make that a storyline. Um, because it's, it's an interesting choice to have him kind of layer on these memories from this person he's been plopped into and then take that and remember Agent Cooper's memories as well. And I think right. what would be interesting, and everyone knows I'm the biggest Audrey fan, so I can't be trusted, but what would be really interesting would be to bring in Audrey at this point as the, the person style. for evil Cooper slash former Cooper as a foil against Janie E, where now he's kind of got this, do I go to my the one child with... And really, he might have three children, because I still think he might have a kid with Diane, too. Because the beginning of the episode... Kelly really thinks that there's a bunch of evil coops so spawn yeah. up there. very like. first <laughs> sentence in Twin Peaks, almost very first in season three, the giant says... Remember 4.30, Richard and Linda, two birds with one stone. We've met a Richard who's very significant. So obviously the Richard in that sentence is, remember Richard, the kid that your doppelganger created when he raped Audrey in a coma. Go take care of that situation. But then who the fuck is Linda? We've had Linda in the series. She was a peripheral character in Fat Trout Farms, but that doesn't really fit. So I think Linda is Diane's daughter from rape from cooper and that the giant is saying pay attention to your two children from rape richard and linda yeah she got a lot Could be. from that sentence so and i've been right thus far <laughs> well speaking of uh parents and children though we should talk about the jacoby rants oh the jacoby some... you get a lot of stuff from the jacoby rants no wolf but the, the end is where he mentions every parent wants yes. to save their child. Oh, you stole my big realization. Well, go but ahead and explain it. <laughs> I just wanted to get there. So, <laughs> the other thing with, with, with Lynch that he does in this series is that he'll place giant revelations and he'll disguise them in kind of gibberish scenes. And I think two of the major vessels but of... has that been proven yet, really? Yet? About the Jacoby thing? Yeah. No, not no, necessarily. Not this is just a theory. But okay. we know from Nadine the does series, have a, drape, a silent drape runner store, though. Yes. That's proven. That is amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> that was such a and big payoff. she also has, which I only caught in the second round, <laughs> one of the golden shovels that Jacoby yes. did. Just she loves Jacoby. <laughs> Shipping alert, Nadine and Jacoby. Um, well, I think that what Lynch will sometimes do is he'll take some character who's like spouting gibberish and put like a kernel of truth in that. Mm-hmm. I call it a kernel of truth and a popcorn of lies. <laughs> oh. And in the Jacoby, and, and so Trademark. this happens. I know, right? <laughs> I won't tell you who originally inspired me with that phrase, but. Um, so, I... yeah, but you know, we're not going to say it on the podcast. Um, so in this, so I think Jacoby and the log lady in particular in this episode, because holy shit, oh, we could spend lady. 35 minutes just dissecting every word of the log lady scene and try, cause like it's so big, but they're both, and even Johnny, now I'm like, things Johnny says matters, but Things that you don't think matter, matter, and they come back. In the Jacoby scene, we've been set up that Jacoby has this 
I feel like probably very left political podcast yes. that is yes. sharing his views and a lot of it is jibber jabber and then he'll he says one or two things that are big and one thing that really struck me was he said pay attention every parent wants to save their child and i was like okay well pay attention is david lynch literally saying pay attention and audience. then there was a quick scene with coop and sunny jim and Janie. right doing it no, no, this no. was just they like were, they interacting. Were the but were I think the that was oh, yeah. so it was when like, yes, of course, real quick scene, yeah. Sunny Jim. But I think that's actually about Evil Coop and Richard. It could be because that's the father son relationship right? that's gonna true, be because now Evil Coop or Dougie Coop, which is good Coop, has right? A son Sunny Jim, who's very sweet who and lovely, like who he's kind of bonded with, even as weird, comatose Dougie. Right. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of father-son stuff. I mean, there's a lot of parents-kid stuff in this series in general. Does he have any children? He does. The kid who's the magician. Oh, creepy magician. Creepy magician boy is David Lynch's kid. And a daughter, Jennifer Lynch, who was in a movie with Eamon Farron, who plays Richard Horn. Oh, wow. So. Good research. He has, he's got kids. Thank goodness someone's doing I mean, when I say I'm obsessed, it's a, it's a little bit of an understatement, listeners. Um, but yeah, I think I think the statement there, pay attention, every parent wants to save their child. In a lot of our past episodes, we've been kind of trying to figure out what is Evil Coop's motive besides trying to stay out of the Black Lodge, besides trying to stay alive, what does he want? Like, does he just want to... St- you know, create chaos for chaos' sake? Does Is he just an evil person? Or does he have something that he's driving towards? So the idea of him trying to save his child, which would be Richard, yeah. gives him more motivation and makes him a more interesting character. And that's a story I actually am like, oh, that's right. great. That makes yeah. sense. I just think, I think that's got to be... It's a little more gray, too. Yeah. Like, at least he's... It gives him like a better purpose than just causing chaos, but right, <laughs> right, which is always better. I always right. like a villain with a great motive. No one right. likes a villain who's just tie someone to a train tracks and explain <laughs> your evil scheme and have it's no reason behind an it. Anti-villain where you're kind of you kind of get where they're coming from. Right, where it's like well, yeah, if this guy shot up your parents too, like. You would be angry and you would want revenge. Right. So, and I get do. it. Right. But... How does Batman Bob get pushed out of a vessel? Does he just stay in that? I mean, because he now, stayed in. That's a really good question. Uh, good I think question. Bob hasn't necessarily been pushed out of the Cooper vessel, but we do have semi definitive proof that. Evil Coop can toggle sort of between Bob and not Bob. Like he no, has we're pretty control. certain that he's out of Bob. Or Bob oh, that's is right, because he got... Now. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, that happened died, the, then, like, In episode 8, the yeah. where one that you did. There was this scene yeah. where everyone's eating Evil Coop. It's <laughs> really... Huh. Uh, so yeah, yeah, homeless uh, coal miners are uh, <laughs> digging out of Coop. There's a Zombie bunch of coal miner duck pez. Homeless zombie... Um, coal miners and that they, just like they take an egg of uh, Bob out of it. As I body. often say, if I had a nickel <laughs> for really every, yeah. 
Yeah, it gets really intense. Obviously, I missed like the one episode I should have caught. No, but actually, I mean, in that watch episode whole, eight. That's For arguable. Sure. <laughs> do they at all use? I'm sorry. Do no, they go at ahead all and use the me. projection of the actor who played Bob? They oh, do. They have. Okay. But well, and you know, doing, one yeah. of our biggest okay. problems yeah. was the first time they used it. They really like dumbed it down for us and spoon fed us uh-huh. when we don't need because the like what's interesting about Twin Peaks that is unique to no other series on television has this except for Twin Peaks David Lynch is like fuck you if you decided to just start watching Twin Peaks yeah they have yeah. a zero desire to pull in an audience who has not seen right. the series like yeah. that's not possible you could not find enjoyment out of the series <laughs> other than from just being like it's weird and scenic and beautiful and there's some good bands and <laughs> you know but like yeah. really you have to have watched the previous series you have to watch Fire Walk with me you have to be a David Lynch fan and he's like, yep, deal with it. Like, I'm not yeah, going to make it easy for you. not fucking around. No. And the fact that it has gotten, the more I read about it, like, it has gotten critical acclaim. Yeah. You know, it's, I think, going to be a prediction, listeners. It's going to be an Emmy darling next year. I actually think it's going to get a lot of nominations. I hope so, but because it's at the beginning of the Emmy now. Yeah, that's like, true. This season hard. that it comes kind in is... Buried. Yeah. yeah. But David Lynch will get nominated for sure. Kyle McLaughlin will get nominated for to. sure. I mean, like, it's it's a love letter. The fact and that every actor wants to be in Twin Peaks, even though... Everyone. They want right. to be in it to just be, like, in it for fun. Right. Like, People are like, just being, like... background playing your guitar. Yeah, yeah. Right. The funniest experience of my week was that this very sweet millennial data tester in in my company. You're a millennial too. I am technically a millennial too. But you're at this you're at the I'm at the very end. Um she was I am Amy. I have a question for you and I'm thinking it's gonna be like a work related question. She's like Oh, can I get the link to your podcast? I'm watching Twin Peaks. I'm thinking like, oh my God, this 22-year-old is watching Twin Peaks. That's amazing. But she's watching it in like an ironic kind of make fun of it way where it's like, they're so 80s. It's so lame. I'm like, nope, I don't think you understand. I legit love no, this. You're lame. Like, it's That's real. That's lame you are. <laughs> it's a real thing. Some woman was like, oh, I'm watching Twin Peaks right now at work. And I just popped up out of my cubicle going like, do you want a companion podcast for that? I have one. And she's like, I think I'm, because we're Facebook friends, she's like, I think it's all your Twin Peaks posts were like, maybe I should check this yeah. out. And I was like, you should. It's amazing. Listen to our podcast. I just, and I so, think, I can appreciate the fact that in an age where everything is binged, everything is instant, on demand, David Lynch is stay, saying, I don't want to do that. I want you to have to put your phone down and pay attention. And And in all honesty, it's fucking hard. It is hard. It is hard. But I found it very worthwhile. I mean, I've discovered things that I don't think I would get out of other series where I'm not taking copious notes on them. And And in all fairness, we also are taking notes on things. Like, we watch the episode for just pure enjoyment to just get a feel. Correct. And then we come back and we go... What was what was the weather 
on the TV because oh my God. we're just going to jot that the down. The number theory. You know what, Melissa? Can we just say that we'll put a link on our next, like, on some post to the number theory? I don't even want to get into number theory tonight, but there's so much yeah. number theory. We'll do a PowerPoint Melissa's gonna listeners. Melissa, Melissa and I are gonna It'll take a review. If you're a number theory enthusiasts, we will get you, but we're not gonna do it tonight. It's just like too exhausting. Um, so this is too much. I like. I don't know whether we're going twos or threes anymore. I think it's all uh, too much. He's doing some red hair. I think it's like yes. I agree. So ooh, fives. I haven't seen. Where do you well, see fives? Because two five. Was last episode where it was oh yes you're right two five three yes and like a lot of things are divisible by two and a lot of things are divisible by five so it's just and obviously so three is we don't even have to yeah. talk three's about three is giant but yeah again Nate you just need to jot down I know I'm afraid Nate will <laughs> never speak to us again after no. this experience because <laughs> of how weird we are what, what no, do we, no 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 what do we think about Lucy. Uh, Watching Chad pick up the mail. Uh, I thought that scene was extremely. Is she gonna figure it out? Is she gonna get him later on? Is that? Let me just. I mean, it seems like she she knows she's up to something. My notes say fucking Chad. Right, (laughs) but you know, it was an interesting scene too because I also saw when Chad said, "I bet you and Andy wake up every morning and say it's a beautiful day." This this underlining Chad is jealous of them and their relationship and their love. And Chad's just a dick too. Right. <laughs> it's like one of those like, oh, you guys are just so like that's just what you do. Right. <laughs> yeah, and also having Lucy kind of get yeah. that intuition nudge. I always love when Lucy gets it right. I've never thought Lucy was unintelligent. If you look at the past seasons. I mean, Lucy, she might be spacey. She might be a little bit eccentric. Uh, eccentric but yeah, I don't think good. she's dumb. The only thing that has bothered me, and I've said it multiple times, <laughs> multiple, right. multiple fucking times, is the whole cell phone thing. Like, I know, she and I don't understand the I think fucking that that... concept of a cell phone, but she has a double monitor at work. That People has don't to just be... have a double monitor at work. Like, but remember, right? request it. Remember how she could crank out those QED reports. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has to be like... Some she insinuation about shop, her being on the, in the past. That, but like, no, person walks in with a cell phone and she fucking faints. <laughs> That's yeah. the only thing that really irks me about where they develop. I agree. That was irksome. It bugged me too. Are you um, a Lucy fan, Nate? I am not a Lucy fan. <laughs> <laughs> what did I know? Actually, you know, not I will I say that when I first started watching, and I know that they've sort of put them more out of the limelight, but I was like, geez, like, of all these characters coming back, I feel like I'm spending a lot of time with Lucy and Andy. Like. You know yeah. what? I will agree with you there. I have said that before. I'm like, wow, I never would have expected that yeah. we would have spent hey, so much time well, with Hey, Lucy but good, good hawk time, I mean, that's a treat. Me, Getting yeah. a lot of Oh, hawk. my God. Yeah, I, we gotta... I thought we were going to get Big Ed because on IMDb, no, Big Ed. he had, like, eight episodes before oh. the season started. Now we, 
We haven't seen any big well, edge. Well, was he just on the set the whole time? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Unless he's in the last he was in episodes. The, he was in the right, but we would know. Was he in... Well, no, 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 but the Entertainment Weekly cover about the Twin Peaks return had Machen Amick, it had Norma, it had Audrey, it had James, it had Big Ed, Kyle McLaughlin, and Nadine. Those were the people that were in the cover as though, like, this is Twin Peaks, we're coming, like, these people are definitely coming back. And of those people, we've seen everyone, fucking Audrey and Ed. Which is... And Ed, right, right. Right, right, because we don't understand where Ed is, or now that we have, like, a backstory of Nadine, though. Right. So we know... Is Ed with Nadine or with Norma? Well, I think Ed's with Nadine. And you can see with Nadine that she has an office. Her her clothes are nicer. I mean, she's made money. Her thing has... Established that Nadine's like... Okay. Her up? drape runners have succeeded. Well, they had that big house, like in that right. urban area, and they were keeping all those poor, all those people in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you haven't seen um, what is that? Children under the stairs? No, I've seen that. People under the stairs. I was. That in is like, Norma was and first. Big Ed. Yeah, I was both in the Right, they were both in there. Yes. I was at my best friend's I house. I knew what you were talking about, but I was like, I'm going to let this continue. Oh my god. Shit. No, I've seen that movie, but I was very young and I was it's at a disturbing. sleepover. I saw that with movie at a sleepover also. I think everybody saw that someone, movie at a sleepover. We were in the basement where it was like, oh, the staircase was like the laundry room. Right. So like, I've never been in the laundry room. I've been best friends with this person for 30 years, but I've <laughs> never been in that room. So it's like... Well, shit, I'm gonna get murdered. You know what would be really nice to do? We should post Nate's top five, like, B horror movies on our. That would be really fun for our listeners. I think you guys would appreciate that. Um, Speaking of miscommunications, I had the craziest one with my friend Alyssa, who is a listener, I think, I hope, of the podcast today. When she texted me asking me if I liked Bush. And I assumed she meant George W. Bush. So I responded, ha ha, no. <clears throat> and then she was like, I can see where you're coming from. And I was like, I mean, but now in comparison, he seems great. And then she was like, I mean, the older albums were like, and then I read like her next six <laughs> text messages. And I was like, wait, wait, do you mean Bush the band? Who doesn't love some guys? Gavin Rossdale. I know. I just listen to so. Here's a fun thing about Big Brother. Like he's always watching you, and like yep. somehow I the kind universe of knows it's been Big one week since I've broken up with the CIA agent with Tom. What? No, and I've gotten Facebook messages on all the dating apps. Like, hey, do you want to like this app? Match.com. Two, I was like scrolling through my like, what do you, what do I want to listen to now? Apple Music, and it's like the X playlist, and I was like, what the fuck? I made you a playlist called The Return of Lady Power. No, that one I love, but the higher powers were like, do you want to listen to this? Like, right, higher powers are gonna get, suck. You're gonna, and it's really, really creepy. It's really I know. creepy. It knows. It always fucking knows. Guys, I have three more talking points that I want to I want to address, and I'm going to share what they are so we can go to them. It well, is. We have a bunch. Yes. 
Ben's Secret sag- Sadness. Love Ben's Secret Sadness. Ben's Secret Sadness. That's like my newest, <laughs> newest segment. Ben's Secret Sadness. So everyone thought I was crazy, but I have maintained from several episodes ago that Ben Horn had a secret sadness. There's something about him that's not right. He's upset. He's, and others in this room, Pat and Melissa, have said it's just based on him aging 25 years. I think it's based on the anguish that comes from having a rape baby grandchild who is pure evil. I like to believe that <laughs> Lynch does more than just rape babies. <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> but you know what David I'm saying. David Lynch, if you're listening, <laughs> we're really sorry about that last statement. It's not how the rest rape of us feel. That's babies. just Melissa and none of and us. And a lot of what? Right. So. No, rape coma babies are absolutely what Richard is. No one else could be 90 pounds and have that kind of superhuman strength. And weird eyebrows and kind of I mean, look like he's about to metamorphosize into a jackrabbit uh, like Richard Horn could. Yeah, he really needs some nose bones. But he really looks like that. he's about to turn into a rabbit every moment. I think he he's just about to sprout yeah. ears and like extend his mandible. Because of the nose. The nose doesn't have a outward... Again, Joanna DeRay, congrats. I'd love to send you a bottle of champagne. Way to go. How you found this person who is legitimately, like, this kid is the best for this role. That There's no one who would be better for this part. Like, he's absolutely perfect in every way. Congratulations, Joanna. You found him. And even in the interview, I loved this. So I read a Vulture.com interview. I love to cite my sources like a polite young moderator. Um... Eamon Farron said that they were like, oh, did you have an audition? He's like, well, no, it was more like a phone call. And we've frequently talked about David Lynch's casting methodology. It's just to kind of meet with and chit-chat with his actors. And what I now realize is the genius of Joanna DeRay is that she knows that that's his methodology. So she's like, I better get it fucking right the first time. Right. Because he's going to love anyone I bring him. Take the face so, and put it in the role. Yeah, yeah. so I better literally find the perfect person for this role, which is super specific. Embodiment of evil. Looks a little bit like Sherilyn Fenn. 95 pounds. Go for it. You know, like, okay, there's one person on the earth who fits that description and she found him. <laughs> he's pretty great he's pretty perfect I mean that's amazing so she deserves some kudos because sometimes it's just bringing the right person into the room and that's half the battle and like people don't realize that oh continue I guess he's gonna probably flee Twin Peaks and Right. Or tried to. Yeah, we yeah. haven't talked about the scene because I think right. we've just and sort of d- been like, I don't even know my, how to start. When I was watching this, stuff, one thing that broke my heart and went, <gasps> scene was when he showed up, we see Johnny tied to a chair. Oh my God. I mean, I get it because you just ran into a wall and you like really fractured your body, <laughs> but maybe you shouldn't tie him to a chair. Maybe you should get some outside help whatever yeah but then here comes richard tearing through <sighs> yeah Sylvia it's Horn? which yes this Sylvia is the Horn. this is the actress yeah. from twin Same peaks actress, yeah. and you know what 
Who knew? I mean, because this is the biggest scene she's had in oh, all shit. three yeah. seasons. Sylvia, congratulations. I thought you did a phenomenal job. It was well worth waiting for. I, I mean, it, that was a 25-year wait for a like great the, scene. She was like in the first episode but of season she's one had the last episode of season seven two. Seven and a half yeah. lines <laughs> in total in Twin Peaks season one and two. Yeah. And in this season, I think you could say this scene. I feel like so far the scenes that I would say are like pivotal are, you know, the Diane Evil Cooper interview scene and this scene. I mean, these are the biggest... This is where we definitive, definitively learn that Richard is the grandson. grandson. So, I mean, logically, if you're just science, biology, he has to be the child of Johnny or Audrey Horn. Correct. So, we know that it's very highly unlikely that he's Johnny's son. I just want to mention that Johnny, in the first season... So this is the, the third, this is the third Johnny. The third Johnny, by the oh, way. Yeah, a different but Johnny. But in the first different two Johnnies seasons, all he, the time, he looks like like a member of Pearl Jam. Basically, <laughs> he looks like like Johnny's like, from Benny and June. Yeah, exactly. Like he's wearing like a whimsical hat with like curly hair, like doing like magic tricks. Right. And then he's all really of a sudden, attractive that first season. Yes, yeah. Yes. Remember when I, in our podcast I was like, so I wanted to reveal the note that Johnny is. Because like all of a sudden he's hot. Oh, Second season he was in uh, the the, the Indian headdress. Right. Was that like the spiritual phase? I don't was? know. Just trying to shoot well, so I have a That's theory. That's where Ben was a Civil War general. Oh, right. He was Robert right. E. Lee. He's Robert fair. E. Everyone yes. will recall and that. And also Ben was like, time. well, yes. you know who's not going to take over this empire? Johnny. <laughs> yes. Johnny. Right. He and he's like, like, and then uh, and Audrey does her fine. famous, I'm your man, daddy, and shakes his hand. Yeah. So I think this, so I have this whole, I'm going to start a segment, listeners, called The Secret Sadness of Ben. What is the secret sadness of Ben? Why is he so sad? There's a lot of reasons for him to be sad. So it could be many things. We we learned this episode. I think it's a pretty strong indicator that him and Sylvia are divorced. Or separated. Separated. The way she talks to him, asking him for money, feels like a couple that's not together. It feels like they're not <clears throat> yeah, together, they're... but there's some kind of infinite where if they were divorced, she wouldn't be going to him in the first place. Right. So that's a big thing. He's, right. He's definitely like, uh, he's obviously like. So there's that. Or like but I, I also, I know Richard whatever. Beamer. I think I he has the joie de vie that if they wanted us to feel like Ben was Ben from the start, he would have been Ben. But, right. I, but instead and he's been a subdued Ben. Yeah, Which is why I don't think they're divorced. Yeah. Why I think yeah. they're more separated. Separated. Because it's not like. Quite clear hey, what like, the moral I'm single and mingle. Yeah. So Beverly, let's do dinner. Right. Like, so this episode, this. Ben asks Beverly to dinner after several episodes of just flirting. Yeah. It's a big moment, and I do, I do find it interesting too that when he calls her, he says right away, "Is Johnny okay?" and doesn't really worry about her. Mm-hmm. You know and that causes a thing. And then he asks about the money, which, which I is think also is also why I think that they're separated and right. divorced because she makes a big fuss about exactly. That. You're right. If they, like, divorced, if they were divorced, you'd be like, well, like, then why would you? Yeah, you're like, right. Fuck you. So I think the secret sadness of Ben was 
the loss of Audrey in some form because right before where we are in the series at the end of Twin Peaks, Audrey and Ben are in fantastic shape. They've reconciled. He trusts her with the business. They're close. They are communicative. Everything's great with them. And in fact, she's on an errand of his when she goes and gets blown up by the bank. So I think, A, he blames himself for her coma and subsequent whatever that means, which I think we'll see. Would she think it is Richard, the devil baby? Right. <laughs> or just her having, I mean, she, who knows what state Audrey will be in when we see her. I'm still not convinced that Audrey will be a full functioning human when we see her in the series. Like, I think she yeah, could be a black lodge dweller. She could be in a coma. She could be severely burned. Like, a lot of things could have, could be with Audrey. Have you ever seen Boxing Helena? Which is with Sherilyn Fenn. I have not she seen has, it. She has, like, no arms and legs in that. No movie. shit. David Lynch loves her. I mean, like, I knew she's going to be in this series for at least a couple episodes. She's a darling of his. And he's held off on her for a while. But I'm more and more thinking, like, we're not going to see the pretty sweet Audrey that would pair with Cooper and get a happy ending with Cooper like we would wish. Like, that. there's no way we're going to get that. <laughs> and I think the secret sadness of Ben has a lot to do with I've lost my I was just I just finally got her back and now I lost my daughter know. you know and so I think and Rich with Richard it's just a reminder all the time of like how he failed Audrey how he didn't protect her how he let this happen <clears throat> you know it's like a constant failure smack and so I think that's where it's like the, Richard is like the shame of Ben Horn, and we're going to learn more and more about that. I know. I'm still holding out hope that Richard is not Audrey's child. But then who could she possibly be? I mean, like, legitimately. Then she's then he's Johnny's child, yeah, which is I mean, equally I horrible. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but it's... Because one of the things about that scene where, like, Richard comes in and starts cursing at Mrs. Horn was, first off, if you see your degenerate grandson who's obviously high all the time, you lock the door, you call well, the cops. Well, she said, don't you, do you come, come in here? She tried. Right, but you don't go outside. That's the thing. But again, right. I am a... I have this But when you're an enabler for a family member, it's a different story. I mean... And this is a big yeah. thing of living in the city versus, like... How in episode eight, which you didn't see, someone comes up to the car and is like, got a light? And as a city <laughs> dweller, I roll up my window. I just scene. shake my head. Like, right. I'm not going to make eye contact with you. You do not come near my car. Right. Thanks, but no thanks. It's the same thing where someone knocks on my door. You do, we were just talking about this, you do the, like, slow crawl <laughs> to the door. You're like, who is this? You look out the window, you keep the door locked, and you're like, I'm not going to open the door until <laughs> someone comes in. Like, you are calling the cops. Like, that's I the agree. one thing no, that really angers me is that she just comes to the door all furious, like, you're not going to come in. But I think, it's like, because she, the like, same ran out. Too. Yeah, she was, like, and I was like, of, like, no, like off the maybe you should just like look out the window and be like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Right. Like, well, I'm locking all okay. these doors. So theory fans. So 
that is very similar to the reaction that Miriam had when he came to her trailer. We could question why did Miriam... I mean, she didn't really fight him coming in. It was more of a like, oh, Richard, don't do that. But in all Wait, fairness, no, Miriam, like... No, Miriam had the door locked. She had the door locked. He... Like, oh, he did? He she just had a screen door. And so then, okay, okay. Like, yeah, he yeah. needed and then opened it. And that's yeah. how she came in. But I think... Because he, okay. she was just like, I believe that. the closed You're right. door. You're right. And I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. But I think Which both the of the interactions... Like, you just open a window or right. like, pull fair, back the shade. Fair, fair, fair. And are like, fuck no, kid. And then he could break in. Right. Miriam's problem was that she told him what she did. I know. That was so <laughs> that stupid. Was, but I do you think... You left the letter to the sheriff out of it, Miriam. <laughs> I mean, what we're going to have to have in the next couple episodes, we're going to have to have it, is some sort of sympathy building or origin story around Richard. Because it just... Or, or it only just makes sense. Hate him. I don't know. Because the Miriam interaction, even the Sylvia interaction leading me to believe that they had previous relationships with him that were and had hope and had hope yeah. that he could be turned. Yeah, all so, babies look really innocent. Right. So I, I exactly, <laughs> and I think that that story well, I'm not a big fan of them has to happen, and I think <laughs> it has to happen <laughs> through Audrey, and that's why I'm like. I texted you and I was like, Melissa, I'm so seriously angry right now. Where the fuck is Audrey? Mm -hmm. Like, at this point, it's become... It's become absurd. I know, I know. Everyone's wondering where's Audrey. And that's why... So, one thing, and I try not to quote interviews, but in the Eamon Farron interview at Vulture.com, of course, as anyone would, because you're you have an opportunity to interview him, you're going to do this. They asked him what he felt about his, the theories that his parentage was Evil Cooper and Audrey. And he said, don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. Well, and that makes me think, like, yeah, of course. Because right now, the literally most logical option is that Audrey was raped by Evil Coop, and that's who Richard is. Yeah. Or that it's... Audrey and John Justice Wheeler's son, which really doesn't Billy seem like Zane. the most Billy Zane. Doesn't they couldn't get him. They couldn't get yeah, him. Yeah, doesn't seem like the most powerful He's doing choice. This ABC yeah. Family series right now where he plays a lawyer. It's now free form. <laughs> Are you serious? He's gained a lot of weight. No way. <laughs> Love you. He's adorbs. No, like I started watching this, I was like a murder mystery series on ABC Family right up my alley. Then I was like, this is boring. And then I was like, is that Billy Zane? No. No, I don't recognize him. Because he's gained like a good chunk of weight. So then it's just me on IMDb like I am whenever I start a series. Like You think he's Vincent D'Onofrio or something from... Uh, <laughs> from uh, what was Daredevil. it? Daredevil, yeah. yeah. Series. <laughs> I do yes. like right now. I see Richard Horn as he is Chekhov's gun. He's loaded and ready to go off. We're gonna get some sort of major payoff plot wise. Well, I think he's gone off a few times. Yes, this is true. <laughs> yeah, he was just murdering and doing coke like no business. <laughs> right. Um, doesn't bode well for his future. In sweeter news, Albert and Candace are an adorable couple. Oh, yeah. 
Continuing on, I do love the scene, and I love that Gordon and Tammy are watching them. It's the going, only scene where I could oh, it's kind so of sweet. stand. Sweet. It's so stand sweet. sweet. Tammy. Because and she was just like, they were both giggling about it. Yeah, it was very sweet, and it, it felt to me like David Lynch's relationship with Christabel. Like, he's like older friend and his young, hot, sexy friend that yeah, he wants he to fuck, it. but also mentors. <laughs> and they're just talking about how sweet it is that Albert wants to date Candace. It's adorable. Um, and then and then Gordon is uh, drawing some drawings in his little so hotel. so cute. Some, like, Gordon has is just stolen and, uh, my heart. This like, is where, like... Gordon. The plot points come in that we need to pay attention to mm -hmm. because the episode is called Laura is the One. Laura is the One right. and Gordon has a vision Yeah, we haven't Laura. even talked about that. And we know it's from Firewalk with me because of bangs and or logic. Here's the best story <laughs> of the evening is there's this flash of Laura <laughs> and Kelly just goes, look at her bangs. That is Firewalk with me. And just Pat goes... She's alive, so it has to be Firewalk with me because right. Laura is dead all through Twin Peaks. Right, because yeah, we don't see the murder in <laughs> we don't see the, the murder series. in the we series. We we just see it in the so we see uh, Maddie's murder in the series. So, so it also really brings forth how Black. Kelly goes really in depth. And then Pat's just like. Or, if we just look at the broad picture of this, we've never seen a live Maddie in Twin Peaks. Right. <laughs> Listeners, we all know what it's like to sit there and analyze Cheryl Lee's bangs. We've all been there. Because <laughs> then she's screaming, and then we do hear Sarah Palmer, which if you... I really suggest listening to this with the captions on. Ugh, the fire stick? Screaming. Amazon is the best. Screaming Laura. Sponsored by Firestick. <laughs> they don't know it yet, but <laughs> we are. So we know that, and then this is also, so he opens the door, sees Laura, but then he also, so who's really standing there is Albert being like, let's chat because Diane's doing some shady shit on yes. the side. This blew me away. I thought it was because of the last episode where we saw Diane, where she was mansplayed and then like uh texting and then we know that she said something she texts she got the text about they the have dinner. hastings they're gonna take him to the site is right. what she texts back to evil cooper but it's heavily encrypted right where, but I think Albert's also being a little sarcastic there. Where right. It's like, so the site hey, is obviously the, the, the sycamore the, trees, Glastonbury Grove, or just oh. the Black Lodge, or, or the, the yeah, Room exactly. In but it, whatever. I mean, that threw me for see, a curve. and I took it as more of something a little more because he sings this. He is uh, um, what's his face Bill is? Hastings Bill from Hastings. From Scream. From Scream. Matthew Lillard. Lillard. That's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Lillard. Doing a great job, by the way, Matthew Lillard. I think this was a great role for you. I really and hated they're his taking him to the I, site. But I thought it was great. I thought it was just their website. Like, right. his website is telling them no, all about... No, the, like, the zone. The oh, did site. you go to that website? They We both it? did. Oh, you did? Yeah. 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 Melissa yeah. found it and sent me Well, the because links. of all of my sweet Twitterness. 
I found that it's well, this an- is our social media entrepreneur guru. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. If anyone's hiring. I have some She experience. knows SEO, SEM, SER, SE Zebra, Zigzag, Rowboat, and Cauliflower. But take him to the site. I either thought it meant the actual website of theirs, where it was just more simple, where it's like, no, like, legit, like, Major Briggs disappearance. Like, this is how... I didn't go in depth of like the sycamore trees or anything like that, where I thought it was more surface level, where it's like they have this dude. Right. They have his site. He had some insight. They're going to go there, like just so you know, like this is what's happening. And I thought it was more farm related than Twin Peaks related. Well, because he wouldn't have the big picture that we have. I think a lot of. I've always thought duality is a big theme in Twin Peaks. I mean, all of the brothers and all of the... Yes, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of brothers. And even where it's like the Trumans Right, the brothers. Truman brothers are your true brothers. Right, there's yeah. a lot yeah. of brothers that multiply by three Right, two. threes and twos are huge. Yeah. Pay attention to me. I, yeah, no, I, I see it. <laughs> it's a it's, lot. For, yeah, gadgets. Get into this mindset. I know, and it's it's so yeah, absolutely. But amazing stuff. You know what we haven't talked about? So we talked about Albert and Candace, Duncan and Roger. So things are kind of coming to a head with Duncan and Roger. They are. Can I jump back to the Diane conversation? Oh yes, though? yes, yes. Go ahead. So before we leave the Diane thing, Gordon said that he mm. felt it when he hugged her. And she was to holding keep her something close. back. Yeah, it was that like was a painful like, moment. He knew. And then Tammy comes in with her weird hip walk, which I fucking hate. I know. And then, hey, this is something. And it's bad coop with right. the black box in New York before going back to episode one. You know, two. thinking back on... Like the other, now I'm starting to see a picture here. So last episode and the episode before, I thought the pattern was post-traumatic stress. And now I'm seeing abuse as the pattern. And kind of a combination of abuse, post-traumatic stress. Because Diane with evil Coop, and like why she would still be responding to evil Coop, it's like Patty Hearst syndrome. You know, it's like this... I, I mean, my I have always believed that Diane was in love with Coop. And I think we could even get that from well, his yeah. side, which is amazing. Like He was her work husband. Right. Where it's just like, oh, oh we have this true. connection. Where it's like, oh. Diane, remind me to tell you about this other girl that I'm into besides you. Like, it's just right. so rough. She's the gal Friday trope. She's like, he's the detective, and she's the like, ah, Dex, why can't you ever see me before your eyes? Right. You know, like, it's that Maltese Falcon thing. It's there. And I think what is really amazing about Laura Dern's performance, and I hope she would be on my list of, like, who I would hope would get nominated for an Emmy, 
is that she takes a, a character that is already iconic before she even does one thing. Because people, Twin Peaks fans love Diane. I mean, before Diane even walked into the room, she was a major character. She's a major part of Cooper. She's us, arguably, right. in Twin Peaks. I mean, he's like recording right. files to us to talk about. We're sitting next to each other while we're hearing Coops right. say the things he needs. And we can put all of our stuff onto Diane. And the choice to bring her in is very brave because you have to pick someone who is just incredible. And she really brings this like nuanced, intense, strong performance that I just love. I think a lot of fans are going to be angry that she's been sort of supporting Evil Coop on the sidelines. They're going to see it as a sign of weakness, which I agree, but I think it's a real picture of what a victim would look like. I mean, she right. is in love with and him. She was like raped it's by more him. A victim, right? Role where it's like blackmail. It's like all of she's that. She's like, I'd rather like... have some connection with you than no connection with you, and that means that I'll respond to your, you know, request. And it's even I want to have so, maintain some element of control. Mm-hmm. So if I have to do this. It's going to be on my terms. And what's if ironic... you text me, I'm going to text you right. when I know, but... That's true. That it. it could be just a totally... Because it's also... She has all these boyfriends, quote-unquote. Right. But is she, like, kind of a prostitute or an escort? I don't think she is. I think she's just sort of... I feel like that hair doesn't scream not prostitute <laughs> or escort. It's too blonde. I mean, that is interesting. It could be that she is just sort of, like, living life in the moment and responding. And I think she has a victimist background, but I think it's also, like, her trying to maintain some kind of, I'm strong, so I'm trying to hold on to this. And with with, um, Gordon and Albert... You know, she hates the FBI. And I think she hates the FBI because of how the FBI lost Coop. You know, like how they failed Cooper. And then intern her. Right. that was her assignment, too. Yeah. And her life. And she knows probably as much about the case as any other character, which is why I think it's interesting that he says... This would interest you, Diane. This was the Blue Rose case. And she's, or she says the Blue Rose case. So we know that Diane probably has as much interest and as much knowledge as Cooper on this case. And she's about to be brought onto the scene. And I think that's interesting. And I hope that she continues to be the most central female character. Because for me, she's no. the most, bar none, the female character that I'm the most interested in watching. Right. She brings a presence where you're intrigued, you want to root for her, but then, like, when she starts doing the shitty stuff, you're like, why are you doing that? Right. Not like, fuck you, Diane. It's more like, but why? It right? shows Don't you, you wanna, like, I mean... You want to connect with her in some way. Right. Which is, you know, it's good acting in that It is. And it part. shows you the cost that Cooper's absence had on other lives, which we don't really see through anyone but her. You know, 
other than Diane, there's no repercussions for this person disappearing for 25 years. And now through Diane, we're seeing how like that ruined lives and that ruined her career and that made her cynical and it drove her into all these other bad habits that right. we see that she has. So I think also that Albert and um, Cole have a real fondness for Diane and a real desire to protect her. And that mm -hmm. sort of tempers whatever they would be doing to try and like drive her into a right. more active role finding Cooper. That they're, you know, kind of, they care about her, which gets in the way. It really does. But you they're know? also suspicious of her. They are. They yeah. Want to keep her close, so they're going to do that more cynical way. I yeah. Feel like. And then, can we talk about Hawk? Lock, yeah, I was just going to say, I took a deep breath because I'm like, it's hard to talk about. You know, all the Log Lady scenes, I have to say, have been really, really hard. This actress is a beloved Twin Peaks favorite, and she passed away before these series, you know, was released. Yeah, and it's well before. very well known that these were her last pieces of Lowest. footage, and they really feel that way. And... One thing that, as I've been reading more and more about David Lynch and about Twin Peaks, I have this theory that I've shared with the group about Lynch portal theory, that all of the Lynch movies are kind of tied together by these different portals. And I really think Twin Peaks is kind of the central piece of that, and it's where everything comes together. And what's interesting is his cast and crew that he consistently returns to is really the Twin Peaks cast and crew. I love that in this series, the opening credits are like line operator. You know, it's all of his crew that's been with him forever giving them credit. It's like everyone's swan song. And then to have this actress's literal swan song be this role that's so poetic and to have her do it with someone who knew her when she was young, it's just so rough. I mean, these scenes are very rough. It's like she has such... She's spiritual so beautiful. Insight, I mean, she's where beautiful. It's just like Hawk's, just like, God. all right, I'm just gonna jot this down, take this to my boss, and just be like, I'm gonna go right. with this because electricity is helping. I mean, so it's, it's so like, gorgeous. I can't, but he's dying now. Yeah, yeah the glow is dying. But in these days, the glow is dying. I thought that was such a powerful line, and it speaks so much to, a, I think a big piece of what David Lynch is trying to say and accomplish with this series is this idea of slowing down and being in the moment um, and experiencing life in the moment. But and I think he really rails against the society we live in that's so instant gratification and everything on your phones and everything being multitasking. And the log lady is really kind of the spokesperson for being, you know, in the moment and slowed down and TM-esque. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of TM stuff in this one. And Transcendental meditation. And then I always also think oh, yeah. like there's a little bit of portal in there where it's like so electricity much is humming. It's like that's Definitely. when we are you staring could at get sucked into your electrical socket. Right. Anytime. Yeah, I mean, sound when we're yeah. Those electrical sockets. 
I thought I heard some earlier. And uh, I, I, really oh, I always text <laughs> Melissa, this time, this is weird. This week, I've had three times where I looked and saw 3.33. When I randomly looked at the clock, come on. That's a thing. Am I going to be sucked into the portal tomorrow? My boss the other today was like, uh... Well, have you looked in the portal? I was like, do you want to talk about portal theory? Because I can do that. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like Twin Peaks portal theory. She's like, I don't. That's not no, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what that data is. entry thing. No one knows. We're like, we need to like retrieve this. And I was like, I don't. What have what? I been doing well, all week? Is it in Let this me know. Portal? Let me know. <laughs> Guys, what have Threes I been doing all week? are a big deal, Kate. Portal demos. <laughs> It's all coming together. Yeah, threes are a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. The log. So the other log lady line that I I think is so beautiful and Twin Peaks fans are gonna freak out about. She says the Truman brothers are both true, and the others, the good ones who have been with you. Now the circle is almost complete, and I I just was like, oh god. The others, the good ones who have been with you, is Lucy, it's Andy, it's Cooper. It's the old Twin Peaks cast, to my thinking. Listen to the dreams of the time and the space. Yeah. Right, even Bobby. I love, you know, there is one of the small glimmer threads in Twin Peaks that I always appreciated, despite all the darkness of, like, abuse and drugs and incest and all these other things. A lot of murder. Murder. A lot of murder. There was a thin, <laughs> a redemptive thread always in certain characters that did become better. And I think part of the reason I liked Audrey so much is she is one of the characters who you can map her trajectory and see that until she got blown up. She became better. I mean, she, you know, really went down a bad path, and then she plummeted, and then she rose. You know, she became better than what she was. And same with Ben. Like, Ben had an arc and a trajectory and became better. And a lot of those characters really did become better people. But in this season, it's a lot harder to find those redemptive characters and so True. when the log lady says this about the good ones who have been with you, you know, it 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 really resonates with a Twin Peaks fan because you're like, she means the old cast. I mean, she's talking about the nostalgic old cast. <laughs> she has to be. And it's, it's very lovely and it's very sweet. And, and I, I wonder, too, when she says the circle's almost complete, who they're missing from the circle because they have probably coops like yeah, I guess. regular coops right because, because that like, was the formal find, because right. it's always been like no, Hawk and Harry right. and Cooper He's and like, Lucy and okay, Andy look and, for this guy yeah so the only other thing was the Casino Brothers is the only thing that we really didn't touch on like we talked about candy but we didn't talk about how basically oh yes Randy I mean, and it's basically there's a hit on Dougie Coop because right. Mr. Jones is really the Mr. Jones is Mr. Jones Mr. Jackass well and we know that <laughs> yeah. evil Coop but wants... isn't like being with the Joneses like that's a thing right oh, keeping up with the like Joneses 
Keeping up with the Joneses. It's like our Mr. Joneses oh, yeah. are Mr. Jones. Yeah, exactly. Trying to keep up with the Joneses is like keeping up with the trends and the times and okay. things like that. But I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, and so... They're they, pinning it on Dougie to try and get... Because I think ultimately what it comes down to is that Duncan doesn't want to actually pull the trigger and he wants to like outsource his kill. And that's what it comes down to. But we right. do, this episode does make, see, make us see the like sphere of influence that Evil Coop has. That he right. can put hits and on it people. Connects on. the Las Vegas office right. with Tony and the insurance office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like we have. I mean, we it knew was nice Tony to was see bad. Where it was like we knew Tony was bad, but we didn't know he was like in right. part of this. Right, like truly mm-hmm. bad. And then we also discussed how if you're going to do hard drugs, it's going to fuck with your face. Like, yeah, it's going <laughs> to hurt whatever people are seeing. Yeah, I've been trying Tom- to like Belushi. I think he's good in the role. I do. Well, and I'm talking about Tom, Tom Sizemore. Sizemore. Oh, wait. Yeah. I went there. Sorry, guys. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, it's just Belushi's natural. I was like, I think Belushi looks okay because... Not that he looks great, but that he just used to look so much worse. Oh, little, little fun <laughs> I assumed you guys were talking about Belushi. <laughs> little oh, little fun fact about Jim Belushi. Uh, my dad graduated high school with him. What? Yes. And they went to a reunion maybe like 10 years ago. It was like the 30th mm-hmm. year reunion or 40. I don't know what reunion it was, but... He's, they said, my mom and dad said that everyone was loving Belushi at the <laughs> of reunion. Of course, I'm sure. Oh, but obviously, dumb. obviously, but like, I guess he was charming, so. I mean, he's I a sweet, know, whatever, like, whatever. he's just not. He he's not John Belushi, though. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Right, and it's like, <laughs> he had that weird sitcom, like, Jim Belushi. I think that was like the <laughs> right. sitcom. Life with Jim or something? Yeah, where it's like, oh, you can play that, like suburban dad really well but like a mob boss it's like well with some of these celebrity guest appearances the thing with casting a celebrity is you know you're bringing an awareness of their former roles and baggage into the role what they're known for right instantly projected on that character and so you're making the choice way of saying yes fortunately like jim belushi like wasn't in anything that anybody remembers i remember sue who didn't remember Curly Sue? Well, amazing though. movie. <laughs> and I, it's not that I think, you know, someone else should play the role. I just, every time I see him, it's Jim Belushi because, and I, yeah. I'm taken out of the story. The guy who plays his brother plays, like, the criminal in, like, any, like, BT right. series right. that you've I, ever seen. Which is perfect. They are, like, comedy relief. Too, so. They are right, and it's more like, oh, here's my like. Also, I think it's like just like the two of them together, where it's like, here's my sinister brother, and here's me going, right? Don't fire candy. She has nowhere to go. It's pretty funny though when they were getting like all like impatient when she was pointing at the walls. Which I know what she was better, saying though. too because I don't she think talked about, about the weather, weather which was on TV so 
I that think was like a was... nod that while well, she was just like regurgitating something she no, saw. She I said some I... interesting stuff actually. Cause, so I thought she was pointing out the cameras in the area. Oh, uh, What yeah. were you going to say? Melissa? I just thought it wasn't just the weather. I think like she was trying to like convey something to them. Right. So I've got some candy theory. I'm glad you mentioned this. <laughs> so candy is indicating around the room, letting Tony know about something. And I, I, I thought it was like they're watching us. Kind of here's a camera, and here's yeah. a camera, and there's a camera right there. But then later, they she says when they say what are you talking about, she goes that we're in the version layer, as though it's a totally conversational thing. Right. But I'm like, we've never so heard weird. about that. Like, we've never heard about the version layer. What does that mean? And I felt like it's a version of Cooper that they're in a layer of. Because I thought it was a little red, red room theory. Yes. There was something that there. she... I think something happened with Candy, where she suddenly has more insight or deeper knowledge, and she's trying to kind of process it and it's not really working and so that's why she's seeming so out of it and saying weird things in the really conversational way she says well that's because we're in the version layer and you know further to me indicates that like she's like in the red room in at least 65 percent part and that could be why she's so independent of the other people. Right. Girls, and why she's like got the, the like air current thing with her hand. Because the one of the things when you're watching it, you're like, well why doesn't he just fucking promote one of the other girls that is standing there? Like, right, no candy. What about Mandy? Is... Mandy can go get this dude, but Candy really has to? Like they force Candy to It's They're like, like Laura, Candy is special. She's the special one. She's the one of the three who's the most special. And I think that's the thing with, like, this episode is all about Laura is the one. And that really has always, to me, been like, Laura's just... You know, if you look at the series initially in the pilot... She's a murder victim. It's a procedural, right? Like, it's a typical procedural... It's, where it's an a high SBU school, right? We're used to now, but we weren't used to maybe in the nineties. Where right. it's like, right. oh, here's the dead body. We're gonna yeah. go backwards, right? Now. But they're really doing more than that, and they're trying to kind of hinge this whole universe around this right woman. Because in this episode that you missed, Nate, you should probably really watch yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they let out <laughs> the prom picture of Laura. 50 years later, like yeah. 50 years prior to her even being born, where it's like, go, go, Laura. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it does. We don't have Earth. any other pictures of you. Go so. to Earth and save. Well, I mean, Earth. always my favorite characters in sci fi and fantasy are like the everyman. You know, I love Frodo. I've always related to Frodo because he's just a typical hobbit. But is the everyman who goes on a quest, you know? Mm-hmm. But he becomes something extraordinary, and so that's Laura. She's nothing necessarily inherently special, but she has special worth based on she takes all the raping from Bob. Yes. So Which is how we should end this podcast. Yes. <laughs> um. All so the <laughs> Oh, the final, final thing I want to talk about. The very last scene, we get a lovely, my favorite, 
bang bang bar performance to date from Rebecca Rebecca Del Rio, who yeah. is the also the singer in Mahan Drive. Beautiful voice and a very haunting, different voice than you'd ever. As someone who hasn't seen Mulholland Drive, like, oh my god, it was it's amazing! Like something where I was like. Like, I was Googling the lyrics to make sure I knew who it was because I bought it off of iTunes and I don't have the fires. Yeah. on the fire stick, so. Beautiful, and I love that, it, you know, it was the full song. And and much gorgeous. like in Mulholland Drive, that scene, in Mulholland Drive, there's it's totally a cappella. She just belts out this beautiful song. Is that song. the same song? It's a different song, okay. but... Her voice is so powerful. She has something very special about her. She looks a little bit Audrey-esque. There's no denying that. She's got a mole. She's got dark hair. She has a chevron dress. Yeah, chevron dress. Red nail polish. Mm -hmm. So she's standing in front of a red curtain, just belting her little heart out. And I think it's a... With Moby in the background. With Moby in the background. Great song beautiful scene and we're hoping we're hoping david lynch i say this every week but maybe you're not listening maybe that audrey will be in the next episode at least i don't know who knows who knows meanwhile 